0: Hi everyone, it's your girl Dr. Tommy, better known as Amma Abba. So, welcome to the Wellness and Wahala Podcast. I give you great public health wellness tips. Also, if you're tuning in for the first time, Wahala Nigerian Pidgin English means issues and problems. And today I have a very special guest on the show, y'all. So he is Big Mo, the director of Sound City Radio. A big old guy at the top, and we are going to be discussing the COVID nineteen wahala as it relates to our people back in Abuja, Nigeria, and the effects of media and you know and music and how that plays a part during this COVID nineteen wahala. So, welcome, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so
2: much, to me.
0: Thank you, thank you. I am extremely honored. So please, for those people here in the diaspora, um, I know you're you're very uh, known back in Nigeria and across Africa. But please, for our listeners here in diaspora, give us a brief summary of who you be. Okay, uh, my name is
1: Moses uh, Munkin, uh better known as Big Mo. Uh, I'm a radio broadcaster. Uh,
2: I'm an advocate for several uh, issues, uh,
1: corruption, uh, anti-corruption, which are am um, maternal health, uh, environment, mm-hmm. uh, sanitation, uh, personal hygiene, and this goes on and on. I'm also an actor, and I'm also an event compare. Yes, life Likewise... Also, a voice of artists as well, since
0: I do read you. Most persons don't know that. Yes, because I've seen you in some Nollywood movies. I said, is that Big Mo? So, congrats on a lot of your ventures and, and, and doing a lot of big things. And I'm happy even Nollywood is getting on a lot of global platforms. So, now that even this pandemic day there, you know, you have a lot of Nollywood movies on Netflix and on YouTube. So, if you have access to technology is you know people can can people can easily access nollywood movies you know that were hard to access you know over a decade ago so big ups to you guys doing a great job so what you know wait did they happen in Abuja? you know we hear some things and stories here in the diaspora you know from the media but we don't know if you know it's really you know what is going on on the ground so what is you know what is the real deal you know, what are the challenges that you're hearing? And, you know, what are some of the stories that you're covering during this wahala period and pandemic? Uh,
1: to start with, uh, I think a major issue people are facing is they are not prepared. Mm-hmm. They were not and are still not prepared for the crisis. And the government preparedness towards this um, was more or less Low in the sense that even with uh, the palliatives being uh, uh, administered or activated uh, in some cases now, uh, we're yet to actually see a reasonable feedback to attest that yes, the so called palliatives are actually working. Most persons, uh, due to this have decided to disobey the stay-at-home order. You okay. find several persons coming out of their homes, uh, moving around, trying to get one or two things together in terms of uh, feeding their family and the likes. And I think towards that direction, government deemed it and said the best thing is to ease the lockdown. And okay. For some funny reason, I, I, I think easing the lockdown kind of skyrocketed the numbers. The numbers on the daily that we get concerning persons testing positive for COVID 19 now in Nigeria is astronomical in the sense that
2: uh, I think we we're close to, we're just about a thousand plus. We have not hit 2,000 or so. And the instant they hit the lockdown, the numbers were just skyrocketing like no man's business. Yes. Aside from that, people have returned to uh, their livelihoods. Uh, They move around at will. You see traffic here and there. There's a lockdown
1: of these interstates traveling. People still travel from neighboring states into Abuja. And it just makes me wonder what is happening. government has said those that uh, work out, uh, do, those that work in Abuja and stay outside uh, Abuja that do not have essential jobs, let's say like um, medical personnel or media personnel, security personnel,
2: stay back home. For those that work within the uh, government,
1: parastatal agencies and ministries uh, from level one to twelve should stay back without uh, level thirteen upwards
2: should resume work with safety hygiene, uh, uh, being maintained at the offices. Okay. But even at that, people are out
1: on the streets, white right men out on the streets. Uh, we have influx of several funny-looking face masks. Face masks that would only just cover their mouths and not get to the nose. Some that would just cover just the nose and not cover the mouth.
2: People are trying to adjust what is not yet understood that COVID nineteen is
0: true. Yes. So do you think communication is a problem um at the at the federal, state and local level? I know some states are doing a little bit better than others, you know, um, but like in some states like Kanu, the cases are extremely high. So what are those, you know, states doing um, in the states that the cases are lower that you know we can learn from, and other countries, other partner countries. So other African countries have lower cases. Um, a good case is Madagascar, for example. The president of Madagascar came up with his own herbal remedy, and right now they have zero deaths, zero mortality rates, and other African countries have even bought into this herbal remedy and now trying to depend on the West. So, you know, I know people are thinking about, you know, the vaccine, but, you know, I say, you know, prevention is better than vaccine and definitely a cure is better than a vaccine. If you can find a remedy locally, which we are blessed with a lot of natural agricultural resources um, and remedies, why can't we, you know, study and look at what our other African scientists and other countries are doing um, that have lower rates. So right now, as of yesterday, WHO says the total confirmed cases in Nigeria is 4,971. And new cases, as you said, is rising, you know, to 184, you know, daily. So what, I mean, what can we learn from other states that are doing pretty well in testing and contact tracing and you know, just like you said, protective, you know, personal protective equipment. People are, are just wearing whatever mask oh, yeah. they have available because even the the certified masks that are more protective and even training people, you know, as a form of communication. That's why I said the power of radio and, um, and your communication platforms like Sound City are extremely um, efficient and effective at this time. What are the communication strategies um, that we can use? to make sure that we reach the people the most um, that need that information?
1: Uh, To start off with, um, most media artists, uh, in terms of uh, traditional media, radio, TV, and even new media, social media, Mm -hmm. and print media have all, to some reasonable extent, kept pushing the uh, narrative, on the essentiality of uh, staying safe and uh, usage of nose mask the funny thing there is most persons cannot afford uh, the surgical
2: nose mask, exactly. the approved one exactly. due to the price, the costs skyrocketed like, I still went to a pharmacy
1: yesterday, uh, the n 5 nose mask Yes, it goes for about $4,650
0: and for those of you guys in the diaspora, yeah. that's, like, $15. So I think the exchange rate, you know, is, like, 300 400 now. But, like, between $10 and $15 for one mask, that makes no sense. While as, you know, regularly the price for N95 for a pack of, I think, 10 you know, goes for, for less than that. That's for a 10-pack. <laughs> Not to talk about one. So that is extremely yeah. high, you know. So who who can really afford it if it's not like the big boys and politicians and the rich people. Yeah, Right. And even
2: at like that,
1: they're still some fake n 95
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> On the market. So that's another thing that a lot of people are not talking about are, you know, the fake um, supplies, protective equipment that are out there and masks that people are selling. You know, even when they say... Um, you can make them at home. There's certain, you know, safety guidelines that should be followed. You know, it's not every mask. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. I, at
1: some point, I didn't hear you. Uh, but, Hello. Uh, thank you for yeah,
0: I can hear you now. I can hear you. Now.
1: <laughs> you
0: <can't>, I said, <laughs> I said, some people don't know the safety guidelines of masks, and knowing, you know, that not all masks are effective. That they you know, that they're fake. So, you know, I think it yeah. goes back once again to you know, how we communicate and let people know, you know, and some people, you know, might rebuttal and say, oh, well, something is better than nothing, you know, even if it's not the right one, even if it's fake, but at least they're trying to cover themselves. Like, that's what they can afford, you know, so, you know, that's what they can do. Um, But what are other um, challenges that you see that are on ground besides that? Hunger. Oh, yeah.
1: Hunger, hunger, hunger. Why did I repeat hunger? I repeatedly? Um Most offices cannot afford to keep their staff. Mm-hmm. I know of a certain restaurant uh, that the instant the lockdown was uh, instituted, uh, they had to shut down and let go of its staff because mm-hmm. they were unable to sell. Uh, they were operating a, 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 a seating restaurant and um delivery format but even at the de- even with the lockdown most persons did not have the funds to actually afford delivery because mm-hmm. when you buy uh, let's say a meal worth three thousand uh, you have to pay um, for delivery which will cost us about a thousand or a thousand five depending on the distance of where you stay.
0: Right, right. Moving away from that, some offices that are still able to keep your staff cut down
1: their pay. Mm-hmm. By either 30%, some by 40%, some by 15 some by 20%. And now a staff room normally would have been going home with, let's say, uh maybe uh, a 70,000 uh, pay package or 100,000 uh, pay package. That has to readjust by almost a half of what they're used to. Either feeding pattern or uh, extra luxury which they trust in because we are all human beings. No matter how small the salary is, we w- tend to want to enjoy some level of luxury. Probably having a bottle of drink, or hanging out at, uh, at the beer parlor or something of that nature. It, but all that now is taking a different toll.
2: Mm. Presently, uh, with the lockdown being east, uh,
1: banks are having a talk because it's a problem to control the number of persons going to the banks on a daily. This happened since last week because the ease of lockdown happened last week, Monday. Right. And banks have been experiencing this heavy influx of uh, customers to the point that wow. it becomes a problem. Oof. They can't, they can't maintain social distance yeah. outside the uh, banking premises. The bank has to let them come in one after the other, probably in sets of ten, or in sets of five, or in sets of twenty, depends on the capacity they have to. Keep them before they get into the banking uh, hall proper. And it's just been crazy. There are several videos up on Instagram.
2: Yeah,
0: Twitter, I saw, packed
1: Facebook. out. <laughs> of so people fighting to get into the
2: bank. Yeah.
0: yeah. Why did that happen? Because some persons have uh, the feeling that some banks will not be able to survive and their money will be stopped in mm-hmm. the banking
1: system. Some just want to clear out their accounts. Some have either issues with their banking app and they need that sorted out. Some have issues with their ATM cards and they need that sorted out because they cannot sort
0: that out on online Right, right. with the banking uh, services. So
2: it, it, all, all of this
1: just mobile up. Also, uh, transportation has been cut down for a whole lot. Uh, religious bodies uh, cannot operate because of... Uh, the social distancing uh, uh, law, likewise nightlife, like clubs and the likes of
0: that, it's been crazy. Yes, I mean, there was a point in it. But on that yeah, note, yeah. for the for the religious mm-hmm. organizations. So I think yeah. it was in the news recently this week that Pastor Bakare donated two of his church buildings. Um, in Lagos for um, quarantine units to Lagos State um, Ministry of Health. Now, you know yeah. with all the challenges that we are in the in our community, you know we need to go back to our roots. So everybody cannot depend on government. Government is quite limited, and you know me being a former diplomat and just working in the government, like you know, there's a lot of bureaucracies and challenges. If you're just gonna rely on the government, um, it takes a village. As as everybody say, we are Africans. Everybody has to do their part. And you know, I'm I have to be real. Like I'm quite disappointed in our religious institutions. We have huge churches. We have huge mosques um, that that can play a part in helping relieve a lot of these challenges. You you just mentioned a lot of them. Hunger, hunger, hunger. You know from People's livelihoods to being cut. What happened? So, I'll give you an example. The church that I attend here in the US, in Atlanta. Me and my daughter we volunteer twice a week but they have a food bank Monday through Friday and we pack food and we have packed over 10,000 meals. I think is you know we're going to like 12,000 this week since the beginning of this pandemic because we we noticed that in our church many people have lost their jobs and even in the community that you know that our church is at. So people don't even have to be a member of our church but we know that there are some places that have people that have been victims of sex trafficking, people that are homeless and that they're living And shelters. And we actually, you know, you know, made um, a partnership with those like homeless shelters um, and and those places that are in need and people that are in need. And we drop it off, you know, so we still maintain the rules of social distancing and everything. Um, But we pack the lunches, you know, somebody volunteers to transport, you know, all of the, the lunches that we pack, we pack about like 250 to 300 a day. Um, and it is very rare. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is where, at least I know, like, this is where my Tyson offering is going to. So I talked to my other friends at other churches. They're like, what? You know, they're like, oh yeah, we heard about food pay, you know, once a month. I said, no, people are hungry. Do you eat once a month? Don't people eat daily? Do you understand? So I said, so what are we doing to, to help people in our community? So, I mean, what happened to all the Tyson offering? And when they're talking about churches closed, no church is always open. Like your body is The temple of the Holy Spirit, you can fellowship at home with, you know, we're going back old school. God's like, look, you can fellowship in your car. You can fellowship anywhere you are. You can be in the shower and you can be praying and praising God. But faith without works, faith without works is dead. Like what is the religious community doing to alleviate a lot of the wahalas that people are facing? So this is going to be a big banger a a lot of churches. They're going to lose a lot of people and they're going to start going to churches that, you know, me, my whole thing is, you know, did you have my back when I was in a crisis? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, big ups to pastor Baccarat They say, okay, I'm going to donate my church. You know, there's not enough hospitals. You know, the hospitals are being, you know, overfilled, you know, they need more buildings and stuff. Donate your church building. If your church building is closed, that doesn't mean that they can't use it for other things. You know what I'm saying? So if it's not food, if it's not, you know, um, protective um, personal equipment, these churches have ways where they can ship, you know, a lot of these equipment. They got the money. If you got personal jets, (laughs) let's not talk about that. You know, Uh, pastors that have private jets. So you know how to courier yourself, you know, but now that there's a restriction, you know how to make things work. Like, I mean, what is the religious community? So, you know, our people always blame the governments for for not doing their part. But what are the other, you know, organizations? Have you heard of any other community organizations, whether churches, whether YMCA? What are other people doing in the community to help people in need? How are we being our brother's keeper? You understand?
2: Uh-uh.
1: Yeah, I, I think I start from... Pastor Tunde Bakary's church. I think uh, churches like Junanis, uh, uh, okay. uh, churches like uh, I think Koza and uh, House of Rock, inclusive of the Catholic Church.
2: Okay. The Catholic Church yes. uh,
1: organization, I think they uh give the government all their hospitals to use as isolation centres. Nice. Uh, yeah and the other churches that I might not recall for now uh aside churches now uh, lots of persons that have foundations here and there have taken it upon themselves to understand that if we do not
2: help our community mm-hmm. we'll be the what do I mean by that? Yeah. You don't feed the hungry
1: person that is beside you. The hungry person might be prompted to either for a way of getting what he or she will feed on from you in a forceful way.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So by force, by fire, it go happen. Do you understand? A hungry man, yes. as they say, is the angry man. You understand? So <laughs> And when you're hungry and your children, do you understand? If like me, as a mom, if my child is hungry, I'm gonna do what I need to do. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, people become, you know, in survival mode. So sometimes, you know, it might be increased violence. People start, you know, robbing. So you see that in some communities, like, look, I got to survive, you know, or you see some people got to prostitute themselves and like, look, okay, well, you know, I got to do what I got to do, you know, to, to, to make sure I get some money so I can, I can feed my family. I mean, it should not get that bad, you know, but unfortunately it is. And people are not talking about, you know, the, the traumas that people are are, are facing. And, you know, a lot of people are going to need a lot of mental and, and psychosocial support You know, um, you know, because of this pandemic and a lot of the trials that people are facing, um, because I really think that it's good that, you know, the Catholic Church and other people are stepping up. Catholic Church has always, you know, for a very long time, you know, has done their parts. But if you look at these new modern day churches, you know, I have to be quite disappointed. I'm not going to call their names out. But I know a lot of the big ones in Niger <laughs> that are not really doing anything. But I see them on Facebook and social media every day. Please, this is our type. This is our bank account number. Or, you know, they'll do some live streaming preaching and they'll say, oh, please donate. I never hear them say, oh, you know, this week, you know, we're raising funds to to help these many people in our congregation that have lost a job. I have not seen one posting like that yet. Why wallahi you know, so and I follow some of these preachings, you know, these preachers, these major ones online on social media. And I'm like, OK, you quick to, to, to pray and say, OK, all will be well. And here's my um account number. Y'all can send y'all tithes and offering. But, you know, that's it. So, I you know, just like you said, it takes all of us to do our part in the community. And if, you know, it's not affecting you now, it will affect you, you know, indirectly later.
1: Exactly. Yeah. My my, my whole challenge actually isn't about the now, it's about the later. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the sense of when we get to the point when uh, uh, normalcy starts to trickle into the society again, when government lifts the lockdown entirely, when we don't have cases of uh, COVID-19, or probably when the number of cases are dropping drastically. Right. Uh, by then, it will be obvious of the number of persons who have been locked within their uh, place of abode, their homes, or their uh, their streets, or their locations where they either uh, took home. Because some persons got stuck when they travelled for one thing or the other. Right. When the lockdown was instituted. Uh, right. After the lift of lockdown in its entirety. We we'll begin to see the number of persons that don't have jobs. Mm-hmm. But there are some banks that actually close down entirely a good number of their branches. Say, mm-hmm. for example, Access Bank. Yep. Shut down some of their branches, and I, I did my research and found out Access Bank took over Diamond Bank, and uh, after thinking about Diamond Bank. They had several. It's like I said, they duplicated their branches. You could come probably to the streets and have about two access bank branches, which was only access then a diamond. A diamond. Okay. Major. Okay. We have access to access banks in one area, so it's understandable. What's happening within this period uh, it's funny. is fun. It's it, funny to the point
0: whereby yeah.
1: a good number of personnel would not be able to walk.
0: Right. The ones working their yes, salaries will be caught. Right. In order for the bank to survive, going right. back to your question on what people can do uh, is
1: try as much as possible to stay safe. Right. Personal hygiene. Personal hygiene has been a problem. The health sector decay is so much that it is now putting us in the face. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a case of non-formal.
0: The they go hospital. The rich <laughs> man, the rich man, not be before for in the game. Hey! That's not key point though. Look, big more, big more, big more, big more. Let's rewind. That one now hots fire. That all these big guys with private jets, or even our president is such a disgrace. Look, diplomatically, it's a big disgrace when you're president of your nation get sick, and they don't get treated in the hospital facility in their nation. You would never see an Obama, the queen, the prime minister of another top nation go to another nation for treatment. It's not possible. Do you understand? It's against our foreign policy. And they're proud to go abroad. You know what I'm saying? To, to get treatment so now they have to they have to sleep in their mess that they made do you understand all your children you're sending yeah. your children abroad you can't send your children abroad to school anymore look when I was in and doing my doctorate and even in, in the school of public health and I met and I met some other doctors Oh, in both doctors or my cardiologist because I had um, heart issues when I was in college and the oh. cardiologist that was treated me, that worked in the hospital at the University of Chicago with my mom, he now said, oh, he said, you're Nigerian? He was like, I love Nigeria. He was like, oh, back in the days, I did my residency. He said he went to school in Joss. He said Nigeria then had one of the best exchange medical professions and, and institutes. That they send researchers and doctors to Nigeria to get trained. Can you imagine? I said, Ayusha sure is Nigeria. What do you mean, Joss? He said, Joss, Plateau State. I said, ah. So then, my mom. Now you know me being born here. So I didn't really understand. I said, "Mommy, I said, what do you mean?" She said, "Ah, no, Nigeria has went backwards. That when (laughs) she was growing up, and in the '70s and '80s, I mean, you see, UI, Amadi Bayo University, a lot of these top universities used to have ombuds come, and now we are going. Now everything is locked down. So I think you just made a key point that you know is extremely. We should not overlook it, though. That post-pandemic is key in our planning." We need to improve our healthcare system. We need to improve our education system. We need to, you know, improve our communication system. We need to improve, you know, um, sustainable livelihoods and and what we call our welfare system. So when a whole bunch of people loses their their jobs, the economy is crashing. The naira is is devaluing. What can we do? to ensure that we mitigate you know, a lot of this, um, this risk, disaster risk reduction strategies. We don't have a, a DRR strategy for Nigeria and Africa. And a lot of people, what people don't know is that how I met Big Mo, I was I was working for an international organization, working, um, advocating for smallholder farmers. And and he's a a great ambassador also for for smallholder farmers and agriculture and food security. A lot of our farmers are being affected now. They cannot farm. That means that we're going to have a lot of food insecurity in the future that people don't understand. We're going to have a lot, we're going to have a lot of food insecurity. So what can we do, you know, to, to mitigate a lot of those risks? You know, our people are not thinking about that. And, and that is, and that is key, you know? So what do you, what do you also, you know, recommend? Because I think people are just thinking about the now. They don't know that there's going to be a lot of post, you know, traumatic stress after this pandemic. Yeah. Um, In that light, um is to educate farmers on how to possibly farm Mm
1: -hmm. in the best hygienic way. though going to the farm and trying to stay neat and maintaining hygiene is a bit difficult because you mess around with the soil and you don't know what exactly is inside the soil. Right. Uh, That's where mechanization comes into play. Uh, Aside that, uh, there has been uh, before now farmers have been experimenting headsmen attack who to a great extent uh cost farmers not to go to their farms because they have the fear that once they go to their farms well on their farms that this headsmen could attack them mm-hmm. and possibly they could lose their life or be kidnapped and uh, if they are unable to pay a certain ransom then the headsmen might kill them or release them after several weeks or months of torture. Yep. For for Nigeria to move ahead and possibly avoid the uh, food pandemic, food scarcity that might hit us,
2: right now it's not so clear because we are all caught up in uh, COVID-19 issues, Mm -hmm. is to encourage each household that has a small space, a farmable portion.
1: If they, don't, if they don't have that, they could actually get pots, uh, planting pots or planting uh, boxes.
0: Exactly. and uh, planting things
1: as little as tomatoes, yes. as little as
0: pepper. The yes. no, basic things that, uh, that, that, that the home needs. Yes. We need to educate people to start doing this because the farmers cannot...
2: Meet up with the demand that will hit us in the shortest time. No. Cost of uh, food is skyrocketing on a daily.
0: Yep,
1: literally. Even here, skyrocketing. even here. Yes, I, I watched I watch the NBC <laughs> and I noticed that cost of uh, food is on a high.
0: Is it higher? About
1: thirty high percent. I think about close to thirty percent. It's even
0: higher for for organic foods. All these fruits and vegetables here. You know, in Nigeria, we're blessed with organic foods and farmhouse fresh fruit. The one, if you go to organic, you know, food market here, the, is, the, the price has increased to like 60, 70%. If you get lucky, you can find, you know, a local farmer's market. You know, that happens about, you know, I think like in my community, the local farmer's market happened before this pandemic twice a week, Tuesdays and Friday, you know, but they have not been having it. So if I go to the regular grocery store, and try to buy organic, you know, vegetables versus, you know, the chemical, you know, GMO ones, I'm going to be paying way more. I pay way more. I'm paying double, triple the price. So, you know, another, you gave a lot of good tips. Like we need to go back to back in the days where, you know, we have our own um, family farms in our own homes, you know, people grow their tomato, their onion, and even like um, preservation. So some of our farmers even, had the preservation members of, you know, drying the pepet, drying the potatoes, you know, drying, yeah. the, drying it and storing it for longer time. So even, you know, post-harvest season, the, 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 um, the crops will still be able to use and they will not spoil because they will, they will dry it. They have a way of, of preserving it. And we have, you know, yeah. technologies um, that can help us and expedite that process. So, you know, agriculture is key. And I think that if we do it in a good way in Africa, a lot of other countries will be begging us because this food insecurity is not just going to affect, you know, Nigeria it's affecting all of us all over the world. But if we position ourselves right in Africa, we have the most natural resources. We have the most, you know, (laughs) the most land that, you know, that is uncultivated in Africa, about 55% of the land um, is still uncultivated. So, and the ones you know, uh-huh. that, that are cultivated, we need to be able to grow. And even if it's in your own, in your house and starting from that. But then if we now start having a storage system and start storing and preserving a lot of the food, we can now start selling it and help build back our economy. Agriculture was the main way that we made money before oil. And, and people need to know that, you know, agriculture, food security is key. After any pandemic, if anybody studied any of the past pandemic, public health pandemics in the past, food security and livelihoods, people losing their jobs, was a big thing after any pandemic or after any type of natural disaster. So, you know, we need to really pay attention to, you know, the food um, security or insecurity. And you already see the high the, the high rising prices. Um, but a lot of people are not paying attention to, to agriculture and food security. So I, I really hope... That we now start coming up with some type of plan um, and we go old school of, you know, how how we need to to start planting even in our homes. But thank you. Thank you, you know, for, for being on the show today. I know you're very busy. So thank you for taking your time out with us. And I want people, you know, uh, the call of action. I think, you know, you're just a brilliant, you know, guy and actor and radio host and MC and, you know, you just have a lot of knowledge in so many areas. And that's why you're ambassadors to so many great causes, um, humanitarian causes, agriculture causes. So how can people follow you? How can people contact you if they need to collaborate with you? Because I think that there's going to be a lot of collaborations needed and partnerships with people like you going forward, especially post pandemic. So, how can they follow you on social media and, you know, the best way?
1: Uh, on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, everything is up, but right? LinkedIn is saying Big Mo Naija.
0: Okay. Big Mo Naija. So that's B I G M O N A I J A. Big Mo Naija. So please follow, please like his post, contact him, holla at him. He's a great wealth of experience. And I'm going to leave you all with the African proverb of the week, which is from Uganda that says the only thing to do with good advice is to pass it on. So thank you so much for passing on your great knowledge and wisdom and and giving us great tips on how to avoid a lot of wahala during and and post pandemic of this wahala COVID-19. Thank you. Bless up.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Uh, okay. Alright. Alright. Bye.